My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today. It's a very exciting day for us. We have an incredible guest coming on the show today. The guest I'm bringing on, Paul Zelizer. He's a social entrepreneur coach and impact business mentor. He is the CEO of Awarepreneurs and also the host of Awarepreneurs Show, which is one of the longest running social entrepreneur podcasts in the entire world, which is super exciting. We're going to have some great topics today, you guys. Welcome to the show, Paul. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really honored to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to our conversation. You know, we're going to talk about some great topics. We'll cover what's working, some of the challenges. So within that conversation alone, I think we're going to have a great time. But Paul, I know I gave you a really brief introduction. Would you mind taking us back and filling in those gaps as to how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so the the short version is I did a first career about 15 years as a social worker, and I loved helping people, and that's why I got into it. But your audience probably knows this, especially I live in New Mexico, which is a fabulous place to live, but we don't historically have the most robust economy. So, you know, 15 years and you have a kid and you're trying to support a family, being a broke social worker, like I loved helping people, but I burned out trying to do innovative work and fund it. Um, at that time I was a d- executive director of an agency. So I was like, how do I keep helping people, but like go where all the horsepower is in terms of the economy with business. And we didn't even have the vocabulary. This was 16 years ago. People were talking about it in different ways, business for good, or is it conscious capitalism and social entrepreneurship was just starting to get some traction as a frame. And I caught that wave pretty early, 16 years ago. That was not, let's just say there's a lot more attention to social entrepreneurship and positive impact in business nowadays than there was. So it hasn't been a straight line. There's been lots of ups and downs, but getting in early is both um, terrifying. And if you catch the wave well, it can be an exhilarating ride. So it's been a good ride, especially of late. Started the podcast about seven years ago, and it's been an especially good ride since I started the podcast. I can imagine. Oh, this is amazing. So Paul, where are you at today within the business exactly? Maybe tell us a little bit about how you go about delivering your services. So I actually have two businesses. They're, they're, they're very closely related under one umbrella, but the main revenue source I have is I'm a consultant and a coach for impact startups and founders. So people who want to figure out how to use business or use some sort of organization for good, that's their primary driver but they also want to make a good living. So, you know, balancing, I, I call it impact and income. Um, that's so the majority of my work is consulting. We were just talking before we hit record, Brittany, because of my podcast and relationships with it. This week alone, I put in mid five figures of um, proposals. One of them, somebody 
approached me, hey, we've got some consulting money. Will you please apply for it? <laughs> um, wow. So the podcast is is the main draw. It's how people find me. And the majority of my money is through one-on-one and organizational consulting. We also through like associated with the Awarepreneurs podcast, we have a membership community. We're currently at about 250 social entrepreneur members around the world. And that's an affordable recurring membership. Wow. Thank you for sharing. So I kind of wanted to dive into the topic to how to greatly increase your positive impact. I mean, I know you have a lot of value behind this to add. So if you don't mind diving into that, I think that would be a great topic to to start off with. Yeah. So one thing for folks to know is that if you look at Google searches for things like that are related to positive impact in business, one classic example is ESG, which stands for environmental social governance or social entrepreneurship. The number of searches over the past 10 years have been hockey stick growth, right? And we're now at the point Mm -hmm. where, you know, whether it's Patagonia making the front page news because they've restructured and they said nature is our sole shareholder or, you know, Ikea has sustainability arms and Walmart, uh, like every company in the world is got this, uh, something about positive impact and what's happening in our world and in our climate on their radar. And a lot of businesses who are, you know, are slow to that game are getting left behind. Customers want it. It's really hard to attract talent if they don't feel like you're doing something that's addressing some of these big issues in our world. So the organizations and the companies that are paying attention to this and talking about it and starting to bake it into what they're actually offering, they're growing more quickly, they're keeping, they're attracting and retaining talent, and they are riding out economic uncertainty with much, much, much more resilience than companies that aren't paying attention to this. So that's the context. So those entrepreneurs who are smart and going forward, if we look at what the projections are in 2023 and beyond, this trend is actually only just getting started. Here in the US, we just had the Inflation Reduction Act, for instance, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars going into green sustainability and climate solutions. And that's just in the US alone. So anybody who's paying attention, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're not... to start to lean in, to start to like explore how is it that the people that you're passionate about helping your ideal client or customer, what's going on in their world and how are they relating to some of the conversations about sustainability, about having positive impact, about making the world a better place. The first is just understanding your customer and starting to see how might they be relating to this global trend that's one of the biggest trends we've seen in the past hundred years in business? That's the first place to start. Wow, this is incredible. Thank you for sharing. So, you know, I, I realize how incredible you are with your podcast, especially. I mean, I it's truly working so well within scaling your business and stuff like that which is huge. I think podcasts are great for entrepreneurs um, in order to do that. Now, tell me maybe five tips for running that podcast and maybe touching on great storytelling and, and getting 
getting guests with good platforms, that kind of thing, um, as to how you go about doing that to make it so successful? Sure. Thanks for that question, Britt. So again, understanding the context that people are seeing changes in our world and are looking for resources to like, what do we do about that? And I'm a huge fan of storytelling. So when I have somebody on my show, one of the things that I'm really dedicated about is making sure, first of all, they understand our listeners. So like when you think about storytelling, if you're a really good storyteller, the way it might be the same story that you tell to a group of nursery school students, if you go into a nursery school, or if you go into like, you're the keynote for like some of the top CEOs in the world, you're going to tell the story really differently, right? Between nursery school setting and being the keynote at a CEO conference setting, right? So when I bring guests on, one of the things I'm really diligent about is just making sure they understand who our audience is. We do a 15-minute meet and greet before we actually record, usually on a different day. And that's like prepping them to understand who our audience is. And then we think together about how to position the episode, the title, a couple of value points. And then by doing it a different day, they go away, think about it, come back, and they're really ready. They're prime. They literally have bullet points, most of my guests. And the quality of the information, the takeaways for my listeners, they recommend, they, they comment on that all the time. I listen and I walk away with really concrete suggestions in a way that before I was doing that, that preparing the guest to really knock it out of the park in terms of storytelling, um, that's one of the things that's really helped my podcast um, really become a driver of business growth and revenue growth. So that's number one. The second thing you mentioned, these are in no particular order, but another thing that I got really dedicated to Brittany is um, I really work hard to get guests who both are well-known in the field and have larger platforms. So all other things being equal, it's kind of a no-brainer, but a lot of folks who are in the podcasting space, they, they create, we do all this work. And let me just say to everybody who's listening as a podcast, Deep Bow, been doing it for six and a half years. It's a lot of work. It's the best right. business decision I've ever made, <laughs> ever. It's been awesome. <laughs> But it is a lot of work. And I want to like encourage you to treat it as a valuable asset and don't, you know, like that seat. I do a weekly podcast, but whether you do it twice a month or twice a week or five times, it's a lot of work. And if you are going to have guests, make sure you have guests that both, that it's a mutually beneficial situation. And one of the things that is really important from my analysis is getting guests who, you know, are they're they're good at their craft, but they also have significant marketing platforms. And one of the best ways I've come to find to do that is that I build relationships with podcast booking agencies and PR agencies. And the basic idea here is if somebody's going to pay $500, $1,000, $3,000, a month for a booking agency, they're going to come with their A-game and they'll probably have a much more robust network than somebody who doesn't. So probably 60 to 70% of my guests, I'd have to check, but it's in that ballpark, come from some sort of agency. They're prepared, they've got their A-game, and they bring a network that's usually much more robust than somebody who's not being represented in some way. Absolutely. 
That's incredible. I think, you know, having a good idea of who you want, not just bringing anyone onto the show is going to make all the difference. I mean, and I love the fact that you know how to go about getting these guests, you know, and you do want someone who's on their A game. You do want someone who has a good network, really. Let's be real. And um, so that's huge. That's huge. Now, within the podcast, I know you do a little bit of both solos and interviews. Can we dive into both of those and how you make both work and what works best for you? Absolutely. Yeah, we were chatting before we hit record, Britt, is that in terms of strategizing for a podcast, I think it's really important to understand that a guest interview does, it accomplishes one set of tasks, which I think are really important and helpful, and solo episodes do something very different. And understanding them and finding the right mix has been something I've experimented with, and now I do coaching with a lot of impact entrepreneurs who want to grow their business with a podcast. So what guest interviews are great for are to help amplify, like to help you get in front of new people. So I'll give a, an example. I recently got to interview Nina Simons, who's the uh, co-founder of Bioneers. Bioneers is like a sustainability conference. They've been up and running for 35 years. One of the biggest uh, names in the sustainability space and certainly in the conference space. Um, very, very well known in, in our space. So interviewing Nina was like, and people really loved that interview. She's just a great, she's an awesome guest. Um, anyway, but that's an example, like being in proximity and people loved that conversation. When Nina goes out or somebody like that goes out to their network, they're really well known, that lifts up my recognition, right? It, it spreads the reach. It gets me in front of new audiences and also just credibility by association, right? Social, sometimes called social capital. So that getting really good guests who have a strong reputation and a big network that helps my show and my personal brand grow. But it oftentimes doesn't sell very well. The way I talk to clients about it is it's like trying to be the hostess with the mostest, the host that's asking good questions and keeping the conversation going. That's like one skill set. And it's very different than like providing value in a way that is likely to um, lead to consulting clients or other somebody joining my membership. So it increases awareness, but doesn't increase sales so well. Guesting is better for sales. Um, or if it's for your own podcast, that's where I do solo episodes and solo episodes. And you kind of get a sense of my style. I have here five bullet points. I don't know if we're going to get to them all, but, but I really in solo episodes or when I'm guesting, I really want to bring value, really make sure that like there's a topic, the topic that went live this week, we were talking about seven time management strategies for social entrepreneurs. It was our solo episode of the month. People loved that. I'm getting in, you know, inquiries. So the solo episode sell, that's where like I really get into content and like not being the host with the mostest, hopefully. But the mm -hmm. interviews are where my brand grows and I have the network building of and just it's just fun to do a good interview with somebody who really knows their stuff is is I just enjoy it. So finding a mix between solo and guest interviews that fits your goals. And at least for me, the solo sell and the guest is expanding my brand and um, getting in front of new people. 
Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, you know, I think it's great to have a mixture of both, both for different reasons and together they work well, right? So you mentioned the five bullets again. I just want to make sure we went through every single oh, or no, that we get through every more. single. I knew that there was a few more, but I didn't want to cut you off. But if you, I, before we forget about them, if you don't mind telling us the the last couple points that we're missing yeah, here, because so, um, I'm I'm sure they're they're of a lot of value. Sure. So the the fourth one that I suggest is grow your network. So again, I talked about Nina. Like I didn't just one and done interview somebody like that. If they're open to it, I invite them. For me, I do most of my business networking on LinkedIn. So I say, hey, you know, so great to have you on the show. Love what you're doing. You know, if you're open to it, I love to stay in touch with guests and like circle back around when you write a new book or, you know, it's time for the conference. So, you know, Pioneer is going to send me some stuff and I'm going to put it out into my network. Um about the conference in April, right? Um, and and oftentimes I'll connect with somebody on LinkedIn. So I'm up to about 9,300 plus connections on LinkedIn alone. And a lot of those are people, uh, some of the most robust uh, leaders in my network have come through being a podcast host and making that simple you know, invitation. And then I stay in touch and suddenly the overall worth of the network. Some people have said in business, your net worth is equal to your network. Mm -hmm. So when I'm a podcast host, I'm not thinking one and done and see you later by and on to the next. I'm like, this is if you're open to it, the beginning of what I hope might be a lifelong valuable relationship with people that are much better known than at least when I started. I really worked to get some strong guests on at the beginning and now having over 280 episodes and doing it for six years plus the overall value of my network has become increasingly um, important and it's part of the reason people hire me over other consultants because I can send an email to folks that are super helpful for their business goals if I'm on the project And that oftentimes opens doors to investors, marketing opportunities, strategic partnerships, and other ways I can provide value to my clients by enhancing my network. So using your status or your opportunity to connect as a host and then stay in touch long haul, don't just say, that was a great interview, bye, I'm never going to see you again. That's not my preference. Of course, I can't force anybody, don't try to. But you're following up, you're still maintaining a relationship, which I think is huge. And, you know, the fortunes and the follow up, too. And people feel appreciated when you don't just say, thanks for the interview. See you later. You know, won't won't talk to you again. We don't want that. (laughs) Yeah. Transactional ways of doing business, especially when the economy gets a little wobbly like it is right now. That's not in the conscious business world. We say. People want to know how much you care before they care how much you know, right? So if you stay in touch and you develop those relationships, particularly among people who are in conversations with lots of zeros every day they go to work and you show up and you're providing value and you're not treating them as a transaction, but you're treating them as a valued new member of your network, they're going to start sending All the difference. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Hey, you mentioned something pretty cool that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. I know we're, we've got a short episode here, but if we have a little bit, if we add a little yeah. bit of time yeah, to go it, for I'd, it. Love, I'd love to cover the seven time management tips. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> if you're okay with it, it doesn't oh, have to yeah, be seven just of them, switching but gears. Yes. Uh, yes. I totally. just like, I think that's such a great topic. Like it's so true. I find interviews and solos, like time management is a thing that we have to consider, right? Huge. So if, if you have some tips on that, I think that'd be cool to share with everyone if you're open to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Just had to switch gears. Like, what did I say again? Yeah. So there were three (laughs) buckets. I'll tell you the buckets and then at least a couple of strategies in each bucket. So the first, um, the first strategy bucket is self-care. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. The second one is systems. Oh gosh. And what was the third one? I'm going to look it up. I have it here somewhere. Written down. No problem. Take your, that's, that's all on me. I know. That's, I, no, no, no. I, that's I hilarious. So I'm just like, all right, we're, what is the third bucket again? I'll, I'll remember. If you don't <laughs> yeah, um, no problem. No rush. So the, um, oh yeah. Network strategies. Duh. We were just talking about networks. So, so it's self-care, business <laughs> systems, and network strategy. So the like for in the self-care, the three main areas I was talking about, and this is all research-based. I'm a neuro geek. I'm a biohacker, right? I'm a 55-year-old ultra marathoner. You have to take care of yourself to be a 55-year-old ultra marathoner. 100%. Um, right. So the self-care strategies are number one some like something to optimize your nervous system every single day. The research is really strong. What I do, I do seven minutes of mindfulness meditation, but the research suggests even one minute has massive impact over time. So when people tell me you're too busy, but then you're overwhelmed, I say, then you're not using your time well. One minute a day, (laughs) get an app like Insight Timer or Headspace, you know, you can use a kitchen timer. It doesn't about have to buy anything. Just spend at least one minute in the day, pause, reset your nervous system, be clear about your intentions, and then go rock it. And all the research says you will be much more effective in what you produce and what you get done in the day. Second example, second example is exercise. And I'm not talking about an ultra marathon, like you have to go run three hours a day. Like, again, the research is really strong, especially in the morning to do five to 10 minutes of exercise. It's not about how many calories you burn. This is about getting your nervous system in optimum shape to really move the needle on your goals in a day. People who exercise daily, especially in the morning, feel better and produce more all day. There's tons of research. I'm not going to argue it. Go read. (laughs) Yeah. The third uh, self-care is nutrition. Same thing, people who eat a a high nutrition and less calorie dense, as opposed to if you flip that super high calorie dense, lots of sugar, lots of, you know, uh, processed fats and low density, you just don't produce as much, tons of research about that. So those, that's the self-care, some sort of uh, nervous system optimization, some sort of exercise, and some sort of attention to quality food every day, and you will get more done in the same 24-hour time period. Tons of research. I'm happy to share that research, or you can just go look at Awarepreneurs, because that was our episode this week, and it's in the show notes. Yeah, Perfect. Um, so that's, that's the self-care bucket. 
the the um, business systems. I'll give a really simple example. I am a huge fan of time blocking. That is my key productivity management. Like, how do I know what I'm working on? Um, this comes from uh, Cal Newport, who wrote a book called Deep Work. And basically, that whole book is all about how when we are constantly going from task to task to task, oh, I got an email and now I'm on Instagram and now I'm working on what it's my solo episode going to be like without really ever scheduling more significant blocks of time for the deep work, the creative work, whatever that thing is, you know, really building out your new program or that, like, what's the overall arc of where I'm going to be spending my time in 2023? Those take bigger blocks. Some people call it monk mode, like, like literally putting on your blinders and not constantly checking all the things, but like, where do you really do the deep work? Uh, Cal recommends time blocking. For me, that literally is just using a calendar app. I use Google Calendar. Everything's color-coded, and I don't have a to-do list. It all is either on my calendar or I've said no to it. There's no other choice, right? And there's a block of time for green, and that's related to my podcast. There's block of time for blue, and that's client sessions. There's a block of time for yellow, which is network, uh, I'm sorry, which is uh, marketing time, whether it's getting ready to send out my newsletter or you get a sense, like everything goes in your schedule. And the reason I love Google calendars is if I don't get to it that day, I don't beat myself up. I just need to find somewhere to click on it and drag it to somewhere else in my calendar, because there is like, if it's important and it's in my calendar, it gets done. And if it doesn't get done today, then I need to find some other time. That's the basic idea of time blocking. And while you're doing a time block, if you're doing your marketing, you do your marketing. You don't keep checking email. If you're checking email, that's the block of time that's in your calendar. So yeah. much research. It just makes people much more effective and you get more done in the 24 hours that you have. Huge. Absolutely huge. And then the last- I find- um, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. I was no, going to no, mention, I, I can't get anything done without having time blocked. Nothing. I will try all the things at once and then I'll forget what I'm doing and nothing gets done in the end. So time, Google Calendar is huge for me as well. Everything's color-coded too. Interviews are blue. Green is lunch. This is that, right? But exactly. nothing gets done without blocked time. Otherwise, you're trying to multitask a million things and nothing actually gets done productively. And, and I'll give you, this is like an over and above, but you asked me to be transparent, Brett. So I'll give you like, yes. a, like take it to the extreme, right? Because okay. one of yeah. the things for me is quality of life. So every six to eight weeks, I take a week off and I go do an adventure. So I'm leaving tomorrow <laughs> to go up to Moab, Utah um, for five days with my girlfriend and my uh, adventure buddy. And we'll go trail Moab is one of my favorite places on earth, but you know, like every, so that one's five days, sometimes it's seven days, but every six to eight weeks I go somewhere and I go do something. And that can be visiting a friend I haven't seen in a really long time, or, you know, a trip up to Moab or the following weekend, I'm going to Arizona and doing a race. Like I get away way more often than most entrepreneurs because I block the time. Okay. Now it's time to do this, but tomorrow I get to go to Moab and that's what's in the calendar. <laughs> so I love when it. you're efficient you with find... your time, you don't have to just work more. You can play more. Right. 
There we go. And do you find like it is a big refresher and reset for you to come back to work 10 times, ready to hit the ground running again and you're good to go? Yeah, my clients love, love it. Because sometimes sometimes it's like they, they do have my 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 consulting clients have my cell phone. And sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm coming up the north rim in my adventure in the Grand Canyon. I'm texting you back. I can't call you, but I can text you because I have a little spot of one bar. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hopefully this makes it through. <laughs> exactly. I hope it makes it through. And if not, I'll be back in the office on Monday, right? love that oh what a good idea every six to eight weeks I think I think that should be necessary for everyone I'm a pretty energetic guy right and partially is because I don't overwork and partially is like like I'm I'm really not because I'm trying to win some award for efficiency or productivity or make a gazillion more dollars I want to earn the money I need and help the clients that I'm here to help I want to do it well. I want to do it. I want to have fun doing it. I want to make their experience as awesome as possible. And then I want to go for a walk with my girlfriend or an adventure or like just have time to wander in the mountains. Like I want a full spectrum life. It's not just about doing more and more and more and more work and trying to earn more and more and more money. It's about earning enough. It's about having great quality and I want to be healthy and I want to spend a lot of time checking out this beautiful world that we live in, not just working all the time. Absolutely love it. So I cut you off though. You, I know you had one more thing to mention. Um, oh, go oh, ahead. So in the Sorry about productivity that. strategies. So no, in the productivity strategies or time management um, network. So we, it, this actually overlaps with where we were before. Um, be mindful of who you spend your time with. There's a ton of research about the, the network effect is what it's oftentimes called. And it just makes sense. If you're spending a lot of time hanging out, let's, I, I'm a coach. When I was first new at coaching, you know, I don't have a business degree. I came from community mental health. I'm a social worker who became a social entrepreneur. I was hanging out with other coaches who were relatively new and we had our nice little pack and we were all like excited about coaching, but most of us were struggling financially. And I was in a mastermind group. I tell this story in the recent episode. It was great. It was super supportive, but everybody was like barely moving the needle like financially. It was moving, it was moving, but it was slow because we were mostly a group of coaches hanging out with a group of coaches and my network wasn't really growing because I wasn't making that a priority. It was growing with other coaches, but it was only when I really started to ask more honest conversations about who am I spending my time with? And is this really going to move the needle, both in terms of the impact that my clients can have and also helping them, helping me grow my business and helping my clients grow their business. When I started to be more intentional about what kind of platform, what kind of impact, what kind of network do the people that I'm talking to have on a day-to-day basis, suddenly like people were sending me emails, hey, we got this big pool of consulting money, will you apply for it? I was like, yeah, I like that. That's, That's a more fun way to do business. So pay attention to your network and who you're spending your time with, and both in a values way, but also in a do they have the kind of network and business that can help you move the needle on your goals? And over time, if you keep just slowly, we call it the flywheel effect, like pushing a snowball downhill, if you grow a network with attention to the kind of impact and the kind of 
business results that the people you're spending time with, as that goes up, I guarantee you, so will your income and so will your quality of life should you choose to optimize for it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time to, you know, go a whole nother route with this after me asking you <laughs> We to. did two I podcasts mean, interviews, right? <laughs> we did. We really did. But you know what? I know we're at the end of this episode here. Um, One last question. What is your biggest focus and desire for the next six to, six to 12 months from now? I'm obsessed about helping people have positive impact. The world is burning. We have some big issues to address as human right. beings. And I'm all about the people who want to do something about that. That's what I've been focused on for 16 years. And I'm even more fierce about that now. I help people who want to make a difference. That's what I do. That's what I wake up in the morning. And I can't wait to go to work because that's who I help. This is amazing. Paul, thank you so much for today. It was such a pleasure to have you on. You have added so much inspiration and value. and all these things we can put into account with my listeners, you know, time blocking, you know, self-care, all that stuff, the, the business uh, systems, all this stuff is so valuable. And I just want to thank you again for being willing to share all this on my podcast with myself and my listeners. You were absolutely amazing. And what a privilege to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. And thanks for doing the work to host the podcast. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's worth it, but thank you for doing it. You betcha. Now, if anyone's looking to connect with you, maybe they're re they're ready to, you know, make that impact as well and, and change their lives. What would be the best way to go ahead and reach out to you? Um, paulzelizer.com is my name, is um, my consulting website. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So that's a great way to reach out if you have some questions or you can go check out the Awarepreneurs podcast so you get a sense of the kind of conversations that are happening in the social entrepreneur world. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Group, if you're listening and enjoy, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on, just like Paul uh, Zeliser. Did I say that right, Paul? You did, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, came on today to share your story and, and your knowledge as well within the podcast, within the business as an entrepreneur. Please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks so much, Paul. Thanks, guys. Ciao. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.